Welcome to the Speak Like a Leader podcast with John Bates. Welcome to the show. With me today, I have someone that I think you're going to really enjoy. And here's why I would say that, because there's nothing to bring two people together like futzing with unworking technology for 30 or 40 minutes before they actually get a chance to have a conversation. And that's exactly what happened to my guests and I and me today. And, you know, I think it's in times like that, that you kind of find out what people are made of. So I think you're going to really love my guest today. Her name is Shauna Shu. She's a, does leadership coaching. She's a speaker. She's a columnist and author. And we, we both believe that communication matters a lot. And I think you're going to enjoy what Shauna has to say. So Shauna, welcome to the show. John, it's so great to be here and that we figured it out Woo-hoo for us. Yeah, there you go. We did it. We did it. And we didn't get cranky or anything. It was no, we, there was we, no we, foul we, language spoken. <laughs> <laughs> we kept it fun. It was pretty good. So now, now, Shauna, you come from a world originally that I don't know. I, I can't even I like finishing fashion and something Commercial. else. Commercial and work. commercial. So you tell tell us about that. What is that world that you started in? Well, I, your readers might relate to this. I was raised on a farm and I was I'm a redhead. I had white yep. pasty skin, braces because my teeth were terrible, glasses like those Coke bottle fit, right? So my uh-huh. mom was like, We really need to send her somewhere. <laughs> so uh they they sent me to finishing school. And uh-huh. back then you learned things like how to set a table, how to do a resume, when to wear white gloves, you know, stuff that's important. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I did that. And then what was interesting is I I got older. And so I was 18. And once again, my folks were very, very um, middle cl- low to middle class. And there wasn't enough money for education. And so mom said, I've been giving you dancing lessons. You should compete for, you know, a scholarship pageant. And so you're looking, John, you're talking to a former Miss Hillsborough happy days. Okay. Wow. Congratulations. uh Miss Hillsborough happy days. Mm -hmm. Got to ride on the fire truck. You know, big time stuff. Anyway, that's very first place winner gets a full scholarship to finishing school. Really? Wow. Wow. So I went back and went to finishing uh-huh. school a second time. And so <laughs> now this girl's gone through finishing school two times. And here's what I want to, I want to insert a little something for people in that. Just like when you read a book a second time and right. you go, oh my God, that book has changed. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. Wow. They rewrote this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you've changed. So when I was really young at 12, what I learned in finishing school. And then what I learned at 18, you, it's a whole, it's like why we should revisit some, what I would consider incredibly good techniques or good tools or good books or why we get, why we continue to educate ourselves. Because when we change the things that we're reading are changed for us. So anyway, I went on to do a lot of other things and I was unemployed. I was an unemployed entertainer. And there was a new finishing school. And this is where you learn these things and fashion and commercial work. 
And they said, I, I applied. And it's kind of a weird story. I had no resume. I walked in without, you know, I was just seat of my pants. And I right. ended up with this amazing woman. And she said, so tell me what you can do. And I said, well, I've been through finishing school twice. And, and she says, well, we have a need for this program. And I go, I'll write it. So God, just cockiness makes me sick now. Right. I mean, you know, and I said, I'll write it. So I wrote the program and she said, We're, we'd like to hire you to teach this one class, but you have to go through our school to learn how we do things. <laughs> Three times. So the third time through finishing school, I ended up feeling, having actually some talent to teach, to help people get from where they were to where they should be. And I went on to work for that school for decades. I ended up being the, I wrote all the programs. I became the school director. It was a gigantic launching ground for my speaking. And yeah. then like you had asked, you know, how do you, how do you become a coach? But because I would look at things from new ways when I started doing professional speaking, which I, by the way, didn't even know there was such a thing. I was Before like, when somebody you, says, yeah. well, you know, if there's a speaking industry. And I was like, no. Is it like the Filbert industry? Like nobody knows yeah, right. about this yeah, because right. in my world, if you're not good at what you had to talk, you had to be an expert to talk about it. You, right. d you don't just suddenly say, I'm a speaker. You had to, <laughs> yeah. you actually had to have some chops. And so anyway, people said, could you help us? We like the way you think. Could I work with you? And then I yep. went and got my you know, neuro linguistic programming certificates. And I started yep. studying business certificates and I, to become a, an executive or leadership coach. That's Long story, awesome. now, but weird things well, in there. Hopefully that people let's, can use. Let's go, let's go revisit a couple things of that. Because right. first of all, the second time you went to finishing school. Yes. What was one of the big ahas that you had that you had missed the first time? This is such a good question. What are you good at what you do? <laughs> um, well, I'm just listening. It's all interesting. Well, and I would say the biggest one was when you're young or when I was as young as I was, I didn't actually understand how much control I had. Oh, much, that's good. And how much responsibility. It was no one else's responsibility to get through the class or do what you needed to do. It was mine. Yeah. And, wow. Uh, that's great. Yeah. And so now remember what you're going to say, but I want to put a pin in that one because I've met a number of adults who don't get that yet. You know, like that's not, that is not just a taken for granted kind of thing. And I'm not kidding and I'm not disparaging anybody. I think that's pretty advanced level, you know, that's advanced level stuff to get that. It's, it's your responsibility and not, right. not like it's not your fault. It's not, it's, it's not a, it's what it's, but you're the one, no one else is going to do that for you. Right. Well, and I actually live on a, a little ranchette. I have a horse uh -huh. boarding facility as one of my businesses. Oh, and nice. Nobody's going to claim that stall. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Uh, you right. know, it's like uh, my horse. Not even the horse. Yeah. Yeah. It's my responsibility. And I think that's one of the reasons that I like leaders to have pets. I think every uh, yeah. should yeah. share life with other species. And yeah. one of the reasons is because your communication skills get better. They don't, yeah. they don't talk back to us. They certainly right. communicate. And oh, yeah. when we're responsible for another living thing, yeah. uh, whether we're six or 60 or 106, yeah. when you're responsible yeah. for another living thing, you, you develop leadership skills. Yeah. Well, geez, 
that that might be where I got anything I have because you know I I had I had two dogs and I never thought of it that way but I think that there's a it's a it's an absolutely valid point and I just want to say this is it's basically a year almost to the day that I had to let Flash go and most of the people listening would know Flash was my service dog for about 13 years he was with me for 15 years and watched me for an autoimmune disease for 13 traveled all over the world didn't go to yemen and didn't go to finland one of the times i went because i was going so far north and it was so cold i didn't want to risk his paws um and you're absolutely right you know like having that responsibility it fundamentally made me a better person and and i just i still just want to be the guy that flash thought i was you know? Yes. Yes. I think it's, you, you tell a good story. It hurts my heart. Um, is there an animal in your life now? Uh, well, there's my wife. <laughs> I bet she loves that. Okay, you ain't. Yeah, I think she'd take that as a compliment. Um, I hope so. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's how I meant it. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's all kinds of animals in my life now. It's kind of interesting because my wife took us vegan, two years ago. And now like every animal on the planet is our animal. It feels like, like, you know, all, we're giving to all these charities for animal welfare. And I try not to go to the two extremes. Like, I mean, I think horses and humans can have a good relationship, right? Just treat your horse well. Um, but, uh, it's really hard for me to think about getting another dog. I was really stuck on that guy and, and I couldn't, I'd have to, you know, I, I, over the, 13 years that he watched me, my autoimmune disease resolved quite a bit through a lot of inner work that I did and, and through flash helping me not go over the edge and, and have such horrible, um, results, you know, he'd catch me early and I'd start to notice the edge sooner. And I did a lot of forgiveness and loving myself. And, um, I think I've, I've, you know, I'll be okay without a service dog. And I don't, I just, I can't imagine another dog right now yet. You know, I'm just not there yet. <laughs> oh, and all good, you know, because there's a, the grieving process, which you're going through yeah. is people will poo poo someone who's grieving an animal um, as mm. if it's not as vital as it is um, mm. a person. And I always laugh and say that, you know, we raise children so that they can be, other people can value them. You know, you raise yeah. them to leave you, but you, yeah. you raise your animals to stay with you. And there's yeah. no other species that we get to have as an infant, really an infant, and go all the way to old age. And who yeah. we are in caring for this species is, um, it, it betters us. So yeah. I really suggest, and people will go, I don't want the pain, right? It was painful. Yeah. When you, when you yeah, lose yeah, an does, animal, yeah, for sure. it, there's nothing quite like it. And yet- there's also no, there's nothing like being loved like, like that. that. Well, uh, people boy. said, you know, when I was grieving, people would say, oh, John, I get it. It's like losing a family member. And I would look at them like they were a little bit crazy. And I'd say, well, yeah, like, like losing a family member that never made you wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> right? So yes. good. Well said, John. Well so, said. You know, so, and I do have a five-year-old, so, you know, um, Sooner or later, he'll probably want a dog. And he did get time with Flash. And uh, so anyway, but okay, so 
that is a huge thing that you got your second time through finishing school. I'd say that's one of the ultimate life lessons is you're responsible for like your results in your life. And like no one else was going to do it. So um, now can I tease with you for a minute and then we're going to oh, get into sure. the, the work you do. So, um, okay. I'm, I'm going out on a limb here and I think, <laughs> I, I, I think that you're, I think you'll get the fun side of this, but you do not strike me as a three-time finishing school graduate. <laughs> I'm with you. I don't strike me that way either. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so and, tell me about that. Well, what's so intriguing is as I grew inside that organization and became uh -huh. the writer of the programs or what have you, what I really realized is that etiquette has a place in our world yes. uh -huh. because if you know the rules, then it's better for you. On the other yeah. hand, if you're focused on the rules, you're missing the relationship. Ooh, so I'm so really willing to throw out a rule if it if it's about the relationship. And that's how yeah. I always taught it. And I believe that etiquette is sort of missing more and more in the business world. Oh, in the, boy. In fam familial. We're, we're so caught to our phones yeah. that, um, matter of fact, I saw a meme the other day that was so funny. It was heaven. And there were two angels standing in the back and there were all these people up in heaven and they all were empty handed, you know, looking down and they said, what's wrong with people? Well, they're all in despair because they're looking down without any, any input right there. And they're all, I was like, That's oh my gosh, funny. it was a yeah. very funny piece because we, so I believe in the etiquette, but I believe that you break whatever rule. Now I like people to know the rules because then, then they break in consciously instead of yes. unconsciously that you're just yes. being rude and you don't get it. Right. Uh, however, yeah, I'm, I'm much more about the relationship and I'm, I'm messy in life. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad I had the courage to ask that question and I'm glad yes. you laughed. And I think that answer is absolutely key. I, I think etiquette's something, I, I mean, I kind of think etiquette and integrity and, you know, like civic responsibility and stuff like, did we stop teaching those things at some point, you know? And, yeah. uh, well, um, forgive me, John, but you know what I used to say all the time? I taught youth and that makes you a, tough and also good presenter. You had to be you know, on yeah. top of it. You have to go yes. quick. You have to make it engaging because, and back then we didn't have all of the distractions yeah. we have now, but I always used to right. say to my, my people, they would go, well, we need to send our daughter to, you know, finishing school. We need to, she needs manners. Uh -huh. And I'm like, if you really want your daughter to have manners, I need the parent in there. Uh, it's the parents. <laughs> yeah, you got to go to finishing school. Oh yeah. Because they're just reflections of you. And so that's a hard thing to realize. And I know this about myself, that no matter what's going on in my life, I was at the scene of every crime. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm there for everything yeah. that happened. Yeah, and uh, yeah. your children are just a reflection of you. So if you're proud of your children making good choices or what they do, then, then you've done a good job. Yeah. Well, you know, gosh, so two things. Uh, like, I want to go down that path. And before I do, I just want to say, I want to re I want to reiterate etiquette and knowing the rules and it's great to know that stuff. 
And that's not the point. The point is the relationship. The point is what etiquette can bring to being connected to people and feeling comfortable with each other and treating each other well. And if there's a rule that's going to interfere with the relationship, we'll take the relationship. Agreed. And if you know some of these, and etiquette is an interesting word nowadays, it's, it's much more about courtesy. I would call uh-huh. it courtesy in today's world instead of uh-huh. etiquette because etiquette screams in my mind rules, right? Uh, which right, right. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Where courtesy is much more, are you using someone's name or are you saying, hey, dude, are you, right. what are these niceties, kindnesses, courtesies, opening the door for someone, letting them go first, all of these right. things you would put underneath this umbrella I'm calling courtesies. And not necessarily etiquette rules. And really, if we were more courteous, we would have the relationship. We would have way deeper relationships. Yeah. Well, I love that. I love that. It's uh, just great. Now, here's the other thing that you said that I'd really like to unpack a little more. If if these parents who want their kids, they, they you know she needs finishing school. Well, if you really want her to get it, you've got to get it now. Let's just talk about leaders for a minute, right? I mean, they come to us and they say, we want our team to have, you know, this or that or the other thing. And I think your answer to the parents applies right here, talking to leaders too, right? Absolutely. And that one of the things that I love about most of my coaching clients and many of them is the leader will sign up first. They want to see what I'm about. That's great. Yep. And and you're like working with them. And then suddenly I need you for my team. And so yeah. I'm facilitating the team or then their top. It's a gift to get leadership because yes. we're now going to invest in you and keep you. And, and, but the leaders that believe that their people need coaching, but they don't usually, yeah. you know, where the problems are lying right, right there. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes I feel like I'm coaching their successors. (laughs) (laughs) You probably are. Yeah, you probably are. Well, so Shauna, what have you noticed in this, in this world, in that realm about, cause we're recording this right, you know, January 20th is the day we're sitting here uh, recording this. And there's been a lot said about the great resignation. And I, I think that, there's more pressure on leaders and teams and companies to keep the good people and the good people are, you know, peeling off. But I, I think that that's mostly happening in places where there isn't this kind of engagement and, and organizations aren't cultivating their leaders because people like to matter and they like to be cultivated and they want to get better. And if as a company, I think if you're giving people coaching like this and you're making them better, they're more likely to stick around. Is that, is that your experience too? Well, you just, if you make sense, let's look at anything logically. And that's the way most leaders look at it. What is the real truth? Where is the, the ROI on this? And if you become a good communicator, if you ask, and really what leaders do is they ask better and better questions where Mm. the world of dictatorship or telling or selling (laughs) your ideas Mm -hmm. is long gone. However, many are still there and why they are is not because they're unintelligent or they're 
uninformed, it's because they didn't really get any training in leadership. I mean, who's doing this? We're not learning it in schools. We're not learning right. it in college. And right. then we go through, and forgive me, but leadership classes, which I have one, an online class. Sure. I, I less believe in it less uh, because it's not a route. It Like you're never going to use it. The way the neurals, the neurology of our brain is, is, is that we have all these neural pathways. And when you're learning something new and you, you actually work it, then it stays. But if you learn the concept of leadership and you never use it, you went through the class. However, that doesn't make you a good leader. Right. So I'm a hands-on. We only work on what is happening in your life right now. Yeah. Um, not real scalable, but it's deep work yeah. that I did right. more than anything else in the world. When they get it, when they, when they use the tool and they're like, yeah. holy, holy moly, this works. And I love it. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. So what's, what's, I mean, I'll, I'll preface this question by saying I, I've just been looking through a lot of the intake forms that I, where I ask people what they want out of working with me and things like that. I'm trying to figure out better how to speak to my core audience, you know, um, I feel like I haven't done a great job with that. Uh, and as I read through that, one of the things that came up you know, there's, I mean, I focus on the communication aspect of leadership a lot like you, I think we have slightly different angles and, and slightly different focus, but you know, among things like being nervous and self-confidence and, you know, being scared to get on stage and things like that. One of the other things that, that showed up often enough that, I, that I was surprised and noted it was I've, I, I've never been taught this. I don't know how to you know, I don't know exactly how to do this. And the other part that goes along with that is that as I watch the leaders that I see, and as I think back in my experiences at companies and things, I think that a huge portion of what we see modeled by leaders is not only not what works with human beings, but it's oftentimes 180 degrees from what works actually works with human beings. It's more looking good trying to be tough, trying to be strong, you know, this top down kind of domination leadership. And I just don't think the world, if it ever worked, it doesn't work now. I am in agreement with you. So it, what's your question in there, John? Forgive me if I lost it. No, no, no. I, I <laughs> here's, here's where I was going with that. <laughs> what is it that you see from your perspective that, you know, what's one of the biggest issues that you see? Because those are the things that I see in my intake form. And as I thought back, it made sense to me. What are, what are some other things that you see where leaders need support or where they're falling down or where they're doing something backwards? Well, you explained it very well. And I think that when they think, I don't know what I'm doing, there's this imposter syndrome that many yeah. of us have. You were real good at what you did. And you got moved up or you showed leadership ability. So you got moved into a position. And many times it's with peers that you were on the same level with now. Right. And you're attempting to navigate what goes on next. And they're attempting to navigate how they treat you now that you're in a different role. Yeah. And so that, that place of uncertainty brings fear. It brings the lack of confidence. Mm -hmm. So they, a lot of times overcompensate. Ooh, with that's either being one. much more 
hard, difficult, or it has to be this way. And I understand because now they're being judged not on their own performance, but on a group performance. Right. So suddenly the pressure's on and people under pressure are not always their best. And one of the things that I've, I use animals again to acknowledge this is they're feeling hurt or maybe not betrayed, but they weren't given any training. They're put in a position above their peers who they used to consider friends. Yeah. And now those friends are snarly sometimes to them or maybe even resentful or right. And and they're hurt now. And so here's in the animal world, generally you will never get hurt by an animal unless that animal is hurt or frightened. So if you're going to get bit, it's because that right. you you backed something into a corner. If you're going to get kicked, it's because that horse is fearful. Well, humans are exactly the same way. Yeah. So when a leader is put in a position <laughs> yes, they- and they're backed into a corner, they can be hurtful. Um, they bite or they mm-hmm. shut down someone and they don't realize how much damage yep. they just did. So yep. I also have the opinion, though. That even though they've done this, then maybe a listener right now going, holy moly, I did that, right? I've I've been right. out at someone or I was harsher yeah. than I would like to because I w- you were frightened or you're hurt. Yeah. I'm of the belief that there's nothing you can't recover from. That's brilliant. I you agree. just have to say, ah, I think I bit that person or I think I was harsh. And now what, what tools, what techniques, what intent do I need when I deal with them going down the road? Yeah. You know, this brings a question that I've been wondering about lately. Uh, I always kind of wonder about it because I notice it myself and I notice it sometimes in my little five-year-old son. He's getting pretty good at it, actually. But why is it so hard to say I'm sorry? Interestingly enough, I've got a a theory. I have a theory on lots of things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, good. I figured you would, so Uh, I asked. It's because it's about you. It's you saying I did it wrong and I'm acknowledging I did it wrong. And you're also putting yourself at the mercy of the other human being. So I'm going right. to give you something um, that you can use. I talk to my clients a lot about this. Yes, you did something in error or your company did something in error or you were, you you bit someone, right? Yeah. By being harsh, <laughs> whatever. Uh-huh. And when you go, I'm sorry, it's sort of like this. If, you, if you've ever slammed your finger in the door and after you get it out and you just stick it under your armpit and you're like, I'm all right, I'm all right. But the minute somebody goes, uh-huh. Ooh, that's got to hurt. Next thing you know, you're bawling, right? It, yeah. when, when you bring attention to the pain, it hurts right. more. So yeah. when I say, I'm sorry, I'm bringing attention to my mistakes. And what can the other person say to me except, well, you should be, well, you shouldn't <laughs> do it again. Or like that. You uh-huh. know, blah, 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 blah. And next thing I know, I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry. So right. what I, attempt for people to do is if you are indeed sorry, if you're not going to do this again, put the power on the other person, not to ridicule you, not to agree with you, but do this instead of saying, I'm sorry, look right at them and say, can you forgive me? Now, suddenly, suddenly it's about them. Now, if they go, no, I can't forgive you. Well, you just found out mm-hmm. something about that person. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like your child, your five-year-old, if you promised and it didn't happen and you looked at him and says, I'm sorry, whatever, you're always sorry. I mean, not your, but this way, if you looked right at him and said, can you forgive me for this? 
Yeah. Of course he's, it's a he. He's going to forgive yeah, yeah. you, right? He's going to forgive yeah. you. He's going to, of course I forgive you, dad. Your, yeah. your team, can you forgive me? Right. Yeah. They, they get to be the better person. Yeah. Now don't yeah. just keep using that and don't make the same mistake over and over again. Right. That's what's right, what right. they won't forgive. But yes. This is a way to get what you want, still show that you are the leader without having to grovel. Right. That help? Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I, you know, I, yeah, I, I had heard the, I mean, I'm, I've really made it an art to apologize because I screw up so much. And, you know, I, I feel like one of the key things is that it's not a, it's got to be a real apology, right? I can't say, gosh, I'm sorry I did that. But you know, when you do that thing, no, that's not going to work, right? I got to say, look, I own it 100%. This is my mistake. I'm sorry. And you just helped me really get the value of that final thing. Can you forgive me? Now I'm putting it in their court. I'm giving them a say. We're both acknowledging that it's now their thing. I have owned it a hundred percent. I've said, I'm sorry, but I didn't stop there. I said, can you forgive me? Yes. And now they get to make a choice. And, and that's a, and that's cool. It's very cool. That's yeah. I want that choice. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So what, What's something else that you bring from the world of all the animals in your life to leaders? Oh my heavens. There's, there's so much. I, I've had a couple of TEDx talks and on one of them, I'm explaining the fact that I have, I had this pig, right. And it's uh-huh. they, the pop belly pigs are, are still 200 pounds in the, in the yeah. world of pigdom. Those are the little pigs. <laughs> that's tiny. When a, yeah. when, a, when a pig can weigh several thousand, I'm seriously a thousand pound pig. A 200 pound pig is little. So I had this 200 pound pig and and I had the door open apparently because he was in the living room. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and I'm, I, I'm immediately horrified. I run in there and I start to push him out of the living room. But you, I'm just going to tell every listener, if they don't know this, you can't push a pig. Okay. They're not going anywhere. He just put down his little hoofs and he, and he was squealing. Oh my, it was, it was nightmarish. And so, What we have to learn in the animal kingdom is people don't like to be pushed. Pigs don't like to be pushed. And it's ineffective yeah. for all of it. So yeah. what do you have to do instead is, as a leader, instead of pushing your ideas, pushing your agenda, pushing people to be their best, you got to stop and say, you can't push a pig. Just really an impossibility. Uh-huh. Then what does the pig want? Now I have to use my intellect and I have to use my own abilities to say, ah, well, in this case, pigs mostly like food. (laughs) Uh Uh, So, you know, if you go get a jar, you know, some sort of a bowl of food, shake it, pigs just trotting out of the living room. Right. Uh, What do your people want? And the only way you'll know that is not by making it up, but by asking. Yeah. And very few leaders, more and more are, but they don't ask or they don't ask the right questions. Yeah. So well, if they ask well, they're going to they're going to have incredibly good teammates that want to stay. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You can't push a pig. Nah. You know, yeah. I anyway, I had to do with Flash. He was a rescue and he'd been very abused before I got him. Mm. And uh 
you know, when dogs get scared, they can do that thing kind of like a skunk, right? And if I even talked to him cross, he would do that. So, because he was just scared, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I learned, you know, it took maybe one or two times and I realized I had to, it all, all the training that I did with him had to be positive reinforcement only, or I would just get a horrific mess, you know? And, uh, and, um, it worked really well. And I remember the day that it dawned on me that if I could do this for my dog, why couldn't I do this for the people in my life? Beautiful. Beautiful. And I like, I really like the, the point that you make of good leadership is largely about asking good questions and this kind of a question, right? Like, what is it your people like? What What's going to be a motivator for them? You know, if we're going to use the analogy, what's the bowl of food you can shake to get that's them out right. of the living room, right? So yeah. I think if that's they ask awesome. Good questions. You've said something else that's really good too, in that positive reinforcement. I'll, a lot of times with my leaders, they're, they get caught into a loop. They've told people and they're not doing what they've asked or they're, the performance isn't really where it is. And they're, they're not getting the results that they want. And so mm -hmm. they're either going to harp on that or they're going to have a stern conversation about how things have to change. When in reality, if they could praise more of what they wanted, they would right. get more of what they wanted. And if they're praising effort, um, Carol DeWitt wrote a wonderful book on mindset about the difference Love between it. a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And so we have a tendency not to praise we're praising the wrong things as a leader. So I'm going to give two sides of this. Number one, it's easy yes. to say, I, I, yes, I praise. Well, let's say that somebody in your team comes up and shares with you unhappiness of another team member or somebody doing something wrong. And you say to them after they've basically gossiped, sorry, it's gossip. You say, thank you so much for your courage in telling me this. Well, they just felt great. You are going yeah. to get more problems, more gossip, more right. people bitching at you than you could possibly right. ever imagine because you're praising something you don't want. Right. Now, leaders will say to me, but Shauna, I want to know that stuff. Really? What are you going to do? Right? If they're adults and you hired well, they got to figure it out because that's yeah. called adulting. So yeah. but when you praise, thank you for telling me that. Thank you for sharing all of your grievances. What the so careful, yeah, right. <laughs> careful with praising things you do not want. Right. I mean, and, you know, gossip is the most corrosive element in human relationships. So particularly that And they that get thanked. One. People get thanked. Thank you so much yeah. for telling me that. No. No. So then the question is begged, what should you say? <laughs> you know, here they are. They're spilling their beans yeah. about something that I should know about or whatnot. I guess one question, it depends on the circumstance always. Uh, if somebody comes up to me and says, I wanted you to know that so-and-so has been doing this. Right. And one of my questions is, help me understand why you're telling me this. Oh, my heavens. Suddenly yeah. they're backing up. Well, because I thought you would mm. know. But why would you would want to know? Mm. So you thought I would want to know because? Another question. Yeah. Well, because then you could you could fix it. So have you talked to them about it? Yeah, what? Right. What? I should have yeah. responsibility? I can fix something inside the team myself? Yeah, you right. can. So yes. these kinds of questions said in a loving tone, kindly, 
with lots of courtesy helps people understand that they have way more power. Because I think many times leaders believe that their job is to listen to what everybody has to say. That's not always what your job is. Matter of fact, your job, in my mind, is to help people discover and uncover things for themselves. Mm, That's good. Yeah, I like that. Your job is not to fix it. You hired well. Let them fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's great. And it brings us kind of back to that beginning lesson from the second time through finishing school, right? Right. So it's the lesson that you learned at 18 going through finishing school a second time that you were in charge and like you could, no one else was going to do it and it was up to you. And to get that to get everybody on your team organized around that, you know? And, and I think that there's an element cause I, I do a lot of work with large, large corporations, you know, like many, many, many people, lots of employees. And one of the things they always want is to, is for people to bring a more entrepreneurial mindset. Yes. Ownership. And I've, And I feel like that's what you're saying, right? Like really at the end of the day, everybody is the entrepreneur of their life. Yes. If they're, you know, if they, if they really get how it works, right? Like they're in charge of their life. They're the one who's bottom line responsible. And it's, it's not just this or that it's everything. No, you're absolutely right. And people are taught based on praise, remember, praise what you want more of. It's the same thing with animals. It's the same thing with people. Praise what you want more of. And if if you're not praising, if you're praising what you don't want, praising gossip or praising something that continues, or you're taking their excuse that they will do better. Right. So let me see if I've got this right. You're going to do better. What does that look like for you? They... Well, I just, I just told you I was yeah. going to do better. That's all I had to do in the past. You know what I mean? Right. Well, yeah, I yeah. really want to know your plan. So yeah. the more that you are giving them this, the, the more, number one, your job becomes true leadership instead of management. And right. number two, people love, they, they've got the talent. Yeah. Human beings can do this if we allow it. But yeah. Too many times we have to, we feel we have to keep, our hand on and we're living in a world of so much litigation and so much offense. And so help me understand what's offensive. Tell me how you want this to be handled. Well, I need to be respected. So tell me how you're respecting everyone. I just, you just keep asking these questions because guess what? They're probably not respecting other people either. Right. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, it totally makes sense. It's, I mean, it's really interesting. It does, I feel like such an old man kind of whatever, but like it really does come down to personal responsibility. It's just all it ever, all it ever can come down to, you know? And, and I think there's a fundamentally fulfilling life, more fulfilling when you're willing to take that on. I just, I was just, uh, I do a leadership group and we do a book a month and we just finally, I read man's search for meaning by Viktor Frankl. Uh, and I'm sure you've probably heard of that. Um, I've read it multiple resist- times. Yeah. And I resisted it for a while. Cause like, it was like, you know, I was just, 
I was scared of it, you know, but I love how he basically says, what if the biggest question of all, what if we've been asking it backwards this whole time, right? Like what if the question is not, what is the meaning of life? What if the question is, what is the meaning of your life? What do you say is the meaning of your life? You know, and that's just a question that's worth answering. And also that the second half of that is if it meaning and happiness, you know, it was uh, Lincoln who said a man or a person is about as happy as they make their mind up to be. Yeah. And we're in a society that is inundating us with the next thing that will make us happy. Right. And all external. (laughs) Yes. The minute you actually go, I'm just, I'm making good decisions. I'm learning. I'm growing. This makes me happy. I woke up this morning, just happy as a clam. And I live in an ideal situation and people say, Oh my God, how lucky you are. Well, yes, I am. And I created it. Yeah. So when you get rid of your personal responsibility, you know, at one time I'm a, I'm a believer in a higher power. And Uh uh, I remember that I feel that when I die, that I may meet this higher power, him, she, Mm -hmm. you, whoever uh, that is. And I I wouldn't want this entity to say to me, Shauna, why didn't you use all the talents? (laughs) And and I I have to go, well, gee, you know, Lord, if that's what we call him, I, I, my parents, you know, they just didn't give me the opportunity and I didn't have money and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Or, well, why didn't you do what I gave you to do? I married the wrong person. You know, no. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I stayed stuck or I let fear. No, I want to say I did all I could with what I had every day. And that's all you yeah. can do. I'm going to yeah. do all I can with what I have every day. Now, I am a person who went through finishing school three times. However, those classes taught me about classes that taught me about if I was going to be a teacher, if I'm going to be a coach, then I better educate myself. I yeah. better be the height. And this is an interesting story. I did television commercials. And uh-huh. I remember I was teaching television commercials. And you're auditioning for the same things. And if yeah. you're in a school, ultimately, you're teaching all of your students to audition against you. Right. Okay. You and right. I might there be going go. for the yep. same coaching clients. So are right. you going to share absolutely everything you, you know? Or are you going to hold a few things back? Right. And there's choice there. And many people do, they're going to hold back or they're going to wait and not give you something. And I, I was not that girl. And I said, you know what? I am going to give it all. I'm going to get everything I learned, everything. I'm no, I'm just going to give it all to you. I'm just going to teach everything I know. And here's what started to happen. I became untouchable because every time I taught the best way to do something, it reinforced the best way to do something for me. Most of those people never took my advice anyway. So I became unstoppable and did seven films and all these television commercials. And and it was amazing to me that when I gave it all up, when I said, I am going to teach everything I know that everything got better for me. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I looking at the time and I want to be respectful of, of the time that we, that we have for this. And I want to roll that over again to leadership because in what you just said, I hear excellent leadership as well, right? As a leader, are you going to hold on to those 
petty comp competitive little mini things that you have with your team or with your colleagues or, you know, the person whose job you're aspiring to and stuff. Are, are you going to actually let that make you be a little creepy or are you just going to just give everybody around you the absolute best that you possibly have and let it go as it may, right? Number one, that's a great question to ask yourself. Am I the best leader I can be? And if not, what would make me there? So yep, am I yep. doing everything I need? But here's the next piece of a great leader in my mind that stacks on. It's what you believe about your team. And if you think that most of them are dumb or that they don't work hard enough or that they are, they're taking advantage or whatever it is, they will know it. People always go, no, they don't know. I don't like them. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, like no. a, a dog can Sorry. feel fear, a horse can feel, yeah, really, yeah. really. You don't think they know. Uh, yeah. That's where Sorry. you're delusional. So yes. I think it's what we believe about ourselves, like a mantra, not an affirmation, but a mantra that I truly believe is that I'm smart enough to figure this out. Yeah. And if that means I have to call someone else or I have to get IT involved or whatever it is, I'm smart enough to figure it out. Do it. Yeah. So I believe that about myself. I believe that I I am evolving because I my job is to help leaders evolve. That's what I did yep. about it. However, yeah. I have to believe that everyone on my team and they must believe that everyone on their team is the correct person. Right. And help them get to be the best they can be. Now we're now we're cooking with grease. Yeah. That's an old, old expression. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there you go. When, when we really actually kept grease to cook with. <laughs> yes, right. Well, and I totally agree. Uh, you know, I think that that in a way, your job as a leader is to speak to the greatness inside every person on your team. Well said. Even before they may know it's there, right? Even if they are getting bad results, there's still a great person in there that could get great results, right? And if you don't think there's a great person in there that could get great results, then number, you probably should let them go, but maybe even more, you should look inside you and write, like, I wonder why I would need to make people small, right? There's something over here about me. So great. Really great. Well, I love what you're out there in the world bringing to leaders and leadership, Shauna. And no, I love you. hearing- I love hearing all the the fun stories of your finishing school past and your commercials and your movies. And I think, you know, the other thing that I think is interesting is, uh, and this will maybe be our last, our last kind of beat. You've got a background in performance. Yes. Right. The camera turns on and you got to do it right. And you can't stop in the middle and try again. And right. Like, I mean, you get a few takes when you're shooting a commercial, I guess, but like there's something about that, that performance piece of just having to, you know, the show must go on that I think is also a really great, great leadership like skill. Have you thought about that for yourself or noticed that or do you? Yes, I, I think you're right. And it's, uh, what is it? it I think uh, John Wooden said this. It's all about practice. Yeah. And my coaching clients will go. say, oh, I wish I could ask these questions. And <laughs> if, if I help them think a different way, then mm -hmm. I'm in it all. Like, this is all improv. You and I didn't know what the questions were. We had no idea no. which way it would go. So yep. what I believe about myself and what 
you apparently believe about yourself is we're smart enough to figure it out. And whatever comes my way, if I have the proper intent yeah, to be kind, to solve a problem, to look in there and figure out what's happening in front of me, then yeah. it's juicy, good stuff. Yeah. Instead really of is. I have to be perfect or I have to deliver it right. Like now when I'm presenting, I know what I want to want to come across to the audience. And then I allow everything that's inside my brain to come forth because the yeah. audience will kind of feed it to me and I'll see that they're yeah. missing it. So I'll make a different point. But if I was yeah. too rehearsed, then I'm about me and not about right. the other person. So I have to be focused on my audience and when the best performers are. Yeah. They're yeah, focused on the audience, good. not themselves. So I'm going to give you, so we'll close this out with one of my favorite quotes, if that's okay. Please. From a, a fellow performer, none other than Snoop Doggy Dog, <laughs> who said, don't be nervous, be at their service. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Isn't that fabulous? Don't be nervous. Be of their service. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, so thank you for being at, at our service, Shauna. And thanks for joining me today. And thanks for working through the technical difficulties with such. Thank you. A, now I know why you're so good at working through tough stuff like that three times through finishing school and then teaching it for, you know, you're it's that part. I would now believe you went to finishing school. So Thanks so much. And, and we're going to put the links to your Ted talks in the show notes, TEDx talks. We're going to put the, your, your URL in the show notes and your LinkedIn. But if you want to find Shauna, she's at S H A W N A S C H U H.com. Shauna shoe S H A W N A S C H U H.com. Sorry. I didn't say that earlier, but it is in the show notes and uh, you know, Thanks for reminding us you can't push a pig and for all of the other wisdom bombs today, Shauna, thanks for joining me. It was such a blast to have you. Anything you want to say before we go? Just thank you. You're doing great work out there and it's a blessing and a, a gift to be on the show. Thank you. All right. And thank you for joining us. We'll, we'll hear you next week on speaklikealeader.show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining the Speak Like a Leader podcast. Go be awesome.